Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Thursday, July 1st edition of the Basement Academy. A little time in the gymnasium of the soul today, hopefully will strengthen us in faith, hope, and love as we begin a new month together. Uh, we'll be wrapping up the book of Ephesians, probably take a little bit of time off. We have a trip planned out to Kansas City. Uh, which we're looking forward to go visit some family, our daughter and, and others. And so we'll keep you posted on all that. But let's, um, let's keep at it, huh? And so uh, dive into a morning psalm. Love the day one psalm. Psalm 1, 31, 61, 91, and 121. Those five psalms have this nice motif, this theme of refuge, uh, theme of God's word <clears throat> as being central, uh, God's care uh, and protection for our lives. So um, let's read Psalm 121. I think this will sound a little familiar. Uh, we've read it a few times over the last several months. This is one of the pilgrim psalms of ascent as they were sending up to Jerusalem. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Amen. And so as they are making pilgrimage, going up to Jerusalem, uh, they're looking around and seeing in the hills little shrines what are known as the high places. Essentially, those high places became little idolatrous uh, places of worship. And so it's one of the sad um, realities of the history of Israel is that idolatry was a part of their experience. They, they took to themselves the gods of the surrounding nations, little statues or figurines in some way, and so they would uh, erect these high places, like a little, I'm kind of picturing like a grotto or something like that. And so as the pilgrimage is unfolding, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? And so it's, it's really not, this, this, this verse is typically misinterpreted. You know, we think we're looking to the hills and we're inspired by the beauty of the hills. No, this is more likely I look to the surrounding hills. I see these high places. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. That is Yahweh, the maker of heaven and earth. My help does not come from these false gods. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So as we journey through our life, we look at the hills, as we look around in our society, where does our help come from? Where do we find our strength? Where do we find our hope? Is it in the government? Is it in the economy? Is it in the military? Is it in technology? Is it in the scientific community? No. <laughs> as important as all of these elements are in our society, they have their proper place. Uh, 
Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then he will not let your foot slip. This image of as you journey, God is watching over you. Even when you slumber, God does not slumber. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. So as we enter this month of July, uh, many of us will be coming and going. There will be uh, vacations. There will be travel. Uh, there's always the day-to-day -day coming and going that is engaged in. And so as we begin the new month uh, together, uh, let us set our hope uh, on the one who is our true help, uh, the maker of heaven and earth. Okay, back to Ephesians. Uh, this is lesson number 22, it looks like. In chapter 5, <clears throat> let me read uh, 14 verses, okay? It's a, it's a, it's a big chunk. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 through 14. These are not the most familiar of words, right? Uh, we know other parts of Ephesians, for by grace you've been saved through faith, etc. But here Paul is getting into some of the nitty-gritty of the practical life that we're to live. Now we've been talking about this theme of putting off and putting on this theme of repentance, of transformation, that um, the, the, the God who saves us calls us to himself, calls us into unity with all believers, regardless of skin color, regardless of language or, or ethnic background. All believers are one in Christ. And so we're to, to keep that unity, live into that unity more fully, and then to grow up and mature in individual Christ-like character, but then in community faithfulness, which looks like service to one another. Um, uh, these works of service that we do, each part doing its work helps to build the body up. And so <clears throat> we, 
we, we put off an old life, we put on a new life. And he gives us an image here. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And so, so Paul kind of shifts the metaphor from uh, clothing, putting off, putting on, getting dressed, getting out of our old soiled garments and put on the new fresh, uh, clean garments. Now he takes us kind of to the family. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children, because we are dearly loved. We, we are uh, children of God and live a life of love. And so imitation is how we learn, right? We know that. Um, most uh, of our Basement Academy uh, listeners and, and viewers have had the experience of having children. Not all have, I, I, I'm, I'm sure, but, but, but many have. But all of us have been children, right? <laughs> children learn first by imitation. Say mommy, say daddy, mama, dada. Okay, so the language, speech itself is imitation. That's why if you, um, my, my son, uh, my, my son, my, my brother <laughs> has adopted children uh, from Vietnam, uh, Emma and Avery. We love them. They don't speak Vietnamese, though they were born <laughs> in Vietnam, because they have imitated the language of their parents. And so uh, the, the accent, the language is fluent English with a kind of a nondescript accent because they have imitate, they, they've learned by imitation. And so we, we, we watch, we observe, we, we learn how to do things as children by imitation. So this is what Paul is is getting at. Imitate God. God is love, and so live a life of love. And the, the, the clearest demonstration of love that we are to imitate is that of Jesus Christ. So live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And so Jesus, it's the imitation of Christ. There's a book from centuries ago, Thomas Akempis. And it was entitled The Imitation of Christ. It is actually one of the most read books. Um, John Wesley, I, I understand, had daily readings in, uh, from The Imitation of Christ. It's, it's this notion that our lives are to be patterned after the life of Jesus. Watch how Jesus did life go do life similarly. Watch how Jesus dealt with people, go deal with people similarly. Watch how Jesus gave himself up as a sacrificial offering. And so love sacrifices, love gives. Love extends beyond self to the needs of the other. And so this is the call of the Christian life, to be imitators of God to live a life of love, to do, to, to do so is to live a life of self-denial, self-sacrifice, giving and, and extending ourselves for others. Then, so, so with that just little introduction to this section, then Paul, but among you must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed. These are improper for God's people. You can boil it down. He's saying, watch out for sex and money. <laughs> Gee, isn't that something? How, how relevant, how timeless are these words? 
So roughly 2,000 years ago, these words were written. Are these still not concerns that uh, plague uh, the human family? Immoral, uh, there's a proper realm for sexual expression within the covenant of marriage between man and woman. This is God's created intent. Scripture is clear about that. But immorality, impurity, and greed continue to plague the human family. But there's a connection to them. And then he goes on and says, um, uh, for th- of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater. Huh. What's up with that? We have to kind of tease that out. Now, I want to point out one thing where... Um, we have the words sexual immorality. It's just one Greek word, porneia. Uh, some of our translations, uh, some of you may have been raised on the King James Version, and where porneia shows up, it is translated in the King James as fornicator or fornication. Okay. So uh, the, the New International Version that I'm reading from takes the word fornication and makes it sexual immorality, okay? Sexual expression outside the bounds of the the marital covenant. In the context of Ephesus and the ancient Near East, there are probably a couple things that are going on. There was um, temple prostitutes or um, idolatrous um, sexual expression, so certain gods... Um, you would go engage in sexual relations with a temple prostitute uh, for that particular god or goddess. And the thought was that in giving of your energy, your sexual energy, then there would be a return. And so um, there was somehow joining yourself to that person who would be for hire, then there would be somehow you would be joining yourself to that god or goddess and you would reap the benefits of that. Of course, it's all a constructed religion, right? So so there's no truth to that, but that was all constructed. And it feels like a win-win. Hey, somebody goes and gets this, uh, this momentary enjoyment. There's a little transaction. There's some, some pay. Everybody walks away the winner, right? except not. And so so when Paul's making this connection to idolatry, there's probably some of that going on. Then, of course, there is always the issue of infidelity, okay? Uh, In the ancient Near East, um, and particularly in the, uh, in those, uh, uh, in the Roman Empire of that time, uh, there was there it was a libertine society, a licentious society. Uh, there was often um, between me, there was a pedophilia, if I could say it that way. Um, and then women were not um, honored in the way that the Christian faith and Paul actually comes to to honor. Uh, women were were thought of uh, as property in in some ways, and so. So culturally, there is some difference going on, but we hear porneia and we think pornography, and that is uh, a, a vile scourge that plagues our society. 
And so um, we live in a sexualized culture, a hyper-sexualized culture. There is enormous sexual confusion, debates over human sexuality. And so it just to state clearly, the only proper expression for human sexuality that God intends is between one man and one woman for life. <laughs> Anything outside of that, premarital, extramarital, homosexual, um, it, you know, pornographic, uh, with one's you know self-pleasuring, if you could say it that way, all all such expressions are uh, improper uh, for God's holy people, as as Paul says here. And so, what's interesting, in, in so immorality and greed, such a man is an idolater, and so. There may be some connection going on to this um, kind of legitimized form of sexual expression that was in the kind of the temple prostitute um, framework. Um, so, because there could be some buying and selling that was going on, so greed could speak to that, and then the immorality, the that is the the engaging in in, in the sexual relations with someone who is not not your wife. That certainly may be in play. Um, as I was thinking about it, for our own society, where those, you know, we don't have temple prostitutes quite the same way. Uh, prostitution uh, uh, is a reality. Sex trafficking, sex workers are those are realities. Again, sad, uh, uh, sad realities. I think what connects some of this to. Um, idolatry and to this interesting why does Paul move from imitating God living a life of love imitating Jesus Christ who gave himself up and then he immediately moves towards um, immorality and greed as idolatry if if the goal and purpose of our lives is to love which is to give ourselves to give ourselves up like Jesus did idolatry does not give itself up. Idols are basically things that we make, humans make, and when humans make something, they can control something. So the essence of idolatry is control. I want to control the gods. By appeasing the gods, I can get the gods to do what I want. That's the idea behind idolatry. We will domesticate God and we will reduce it to this hunk of matter Okay, I just was reading in Isaiah this morning the the the, the just the, the the banality of somebody who cuts the tree down, half of it uh, he makes a fire and bakes his bread, and the other half he makes an idol out of it and bows down to it. Just just how ludicrous that is. But the essence of idolatry is something we can control. We can control the gods. We can control our lives. We can control outcomes. That's the issue in a fallen world. Self stays in the driver's seat with idolatry, okay? Self stays in the driver's seat because that's the essence of sin. I will take unto myself the prerogative to determine right and wrong, good and evil. That's the original sin. And so the human family loves to be in control. I love to be in control. You love to be in control. We all love to be in control. And so what are immorality and greed, but expressions of self. I want what I want 
when I want it. I will seek my own pleasure with whomever I want when I want it. Money, if I can have all the money, I will have all the power to do anything I want when I want it. I won't be limited by a lack of resources. So both immorality and greed have a connection to it keeps self in the driver's seat. I get to do what I want when I want to. I am completely free to do whatever I want. That's the essence of idolatry. Because in idolatry, we make the thing, we control the gods, I control. So I will go to the temple, I will pay my money, I will have my sexual relationship, I'm going to influence the god, I get everything I want out of this. And so the connection, the imitators of God live a life of love. Jesus gave himself up for us. That's the clearest demonstration of love. The Christian life is a life of giving yourself up instead of keeping self in the driver's seat. So that so he, he pivots to the immorality and, and to the greed because it's still connected to this idea of self. And so the, you have to put off the old self. You have to put on the new self, right? And so it's, it's, it's still related. I, I hope this makes sense and I hope I'm, I'm explaining this well. So, so it, this is how we go from imitating God to talking about immorality and greed. And then all of a sudden it's idolatry. What? I thought idolatry was bowing down to a statue. No, idolatry is bowing down to self. <laughs> idolatry is keeping self in control. And so this is why the Christian life is one, not my will, but thy will be done. That's the essence. So that's an imitation of Christ. We imitate God, not my will, but thy will be done. But in immorality and greed, it is my will be done. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll stop that there. A short little uh, sentence about um, there should not be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. Again, coming back to the power of speech. So we've already talked about no unwholesome speech. Uh, Ephesians 4.29, talked about that yesterday. Here he's just saying in the context of greed and immorality and impurity, watch the bathroom humor, watch the bedroom humor. Hmm. Imagine that. Think about how much that still is a part of the human family's experience. I dare you to turn on the evening uh, television, <laughs> sitcoms, movies, uh, podcasts, uh, the comedy channel. It's bedroom and bathroom humor, right? It, it's coarse joking um, about these things that, you know, we all, this is part of our experience. Haha, <laughs> it is kind of funny, but it's, it's demeaning. It's debasing. It, it, it pulls us down. It does not lift us up. It does not edify. So just a, a word there. So again, all of us pay attention to what we say, watch the, watch the, the innuendo, the jokes, etc. But also I think we ought to pay attention to what we watch and consume. And if we are given ourselves to um, such expressions of comedy and, and entertainment, we can do better than that. I guess that's the way I'd say it. We can do better than that. And then finally, uh, this little section beginning verse eight, um, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Put off the darkness, put on the light. 
live as children of the light. So he comes back to this motif of being dearly loved children, imitating God. I believe there's an echo of Genesis and the creation. Okay, so any let there be light. There was a darkness brooding over the, 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 the face of the deep, and then God said, let there be light. And so anytime we have this darkness light motif, it's always calling us back to creation. And then, of course, in Christ, it's the theme of new creation. That's why he comes to this, this last verse. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. There is no actual verse in the Old Testament that says that. So he's quoting something that we don't know exactly the source, but it's an allusion to Isaiah chapter 60 that, that says, rise and shine for the, um, uh, let, me, let me not try to paraphrase it. Let me read it for you here. Isaiah 60, I think it's verse one. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. So, the biblical scholars believe that Paul's making a reference to Isaiah chapter 60. He's already made references to Isaiah. Um, there's So what we've got here then is this, um, this applying it to Christ. Wake up, O sleeper. <laughs> Rise from the dead. So there's this resurrection motif. We have been so this is chapters one, two, and three, right? We have been made alive with Christ. We have been raised with Christ. We have been seated with Christ. We have experienced a resurrection, a spiritual resurrection uh, of sorts. And so he, this, this short little section about putting off the darkness, putting on the light, it's, it's calling us to this new life. Don't, don't live this life of darkness. Don't live this life of greed and idolatry and, and immorality. It's a dead end street. There's nothing there. You are now part of the new creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You are created to live into this new humanity, this new reality, this spiritual life, this salvation life. And so, so live as children of the light. How do children of the light live? they imitate the light, <laughs> Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. And so, so that's kind of what holds this section of scripture together. It, it seems very random. Be imitators, watch out for immorality and greed and idolatry and watch out for the bathroom humor, but it's all tied together. We are children of the light. Find out what pleases the Lord. This is what children want to do. Children want to please their parents, right? Now, so much of a struggle on earth because our parents are fallen sinners too. And so we, we find it sometimes impossible to please our parents. God makes it clear how we can please him. Imitate Jesus. Follow Jesus. Follow his teachings. Oh, if you stumble, if you fall, if you miss it, that's okay. Get yourself up. Let's go again. Let's try again. God is the patient God. God is a forgiving and forbearing God. God is a loving and merciful God. The key is children, the, the children of the light, not children of darkness, but children of the light. Surrender this. I want to please. I want to please my father. I want to please my mother. I want to please my parents. And so find out what pleases the Lord and go do that. <laughs> and it pleases him that we walk in the light as Jesus is in the light.
Well, let's close there. Um, we'll pick up uh, tomorrow with um, a few more verses. So we'll take it down to, I think, down to verse 21. And then we'll get into some uh, some uh, discussion of the family next week, wives and husbands, uh, children and parents. Uh, we probably will finish out uh, next week, which will probably be a good good, good breaking point. So let, let, let's close for now. Uh, I invite you to pray with me. Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for these scriptures again. Thank you for uh, this interesting portion of your word. Help us to understand it. Help us to walk out of darkness into light. Help us to discern the darkness of our own culture uh, with its immorality and greed. Um, and it's so prevalent, Lord. Help us, help us, help us, protect us. Protect our children and grandchildren. Uh, there's such corruption. But Lord, help us to be imitators, imitators of, of you, imitators of the Lord Jesus who gave himself up. Lord, not our will, but thy will be done. And so lead us in this path of light and and, and a fruitful life as, as a life that exposes darkness, a, a light that, 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 that a life that, uh, that is strong and, and, and healthy and vital and vibrant and flourishing. This is what we want. This is what we want for our family and loved ones and friends. And so Lord, thank you for the mercy that attends us as we struggle towards the light. And so watch over us this day and forevermore as we pray in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray together saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May Jesus, who is the way and the truth and the life and who is the light of the world, may Jesus light your way and show you the way to live this day and forevermore.